When I was uh, a little younger, <laughs> in high school, so that'd be a lot younger, I guess, 1982, um, I, I used to, uh, and I played sports, I played basketball, played baseball, and so, um, and I, I followed in the professional basketball arena the Boston Celtics, and so at that time, um, you know, Larry Bird, uh, Kevin McHale, and uh, there was at one point a guy named Tiny Archibald, and I, I love those guys, and I and and I would uh, watch the moves they made, and best I could try to do them myself. Um, I I loved when I was I was a point guard for our high school team, and I loved to pass behind the back. I loved to do a spin move and burn somebody. Uh, it just was it was a blast. And so, but I but I found somebody uh, as a as a good example of the position I wanted to play. Um, and and then and then just try to follow that example. You know, try to do the things that they did. Certainly, obviously, not at the level they did. Uh, but but I just uh, and we do this in other arenas, right? You know, whatever the thing that you like to do, whether it's for your profession or for a hobby, a lot of times we'll find people that are better at it than we are or a good example, and we try to imitate them, right? And I think that's. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. And, and um, today, uh, that's what we want to do. We want to take a look at Elijah. And we want to see, he's a great example of prayer, a life of prayer. And uh, last week, uh, somebody bit off a little more than they could chew in the sermon. I, I don't know who that was, but they, they didn't finish. So I got to, in, instead of... Uh, I got, now I get to have a whole, you know, 30, 40 minutes on uh, five verses as opposed to covering all 46 verses last week. And so, but we're going to really get to focus in on Elijah and his prayer life. You know, in prayer, as the most simplistic way of describing it, it's talking to God. Prayer is talking to God. And, and I suppose you could say, you could make an argument for that there's, there's kind of a listening component, uh, you might say, or in your heart, God maybe impress certain things upon you. But primarily we think of it as talking to God, right? And I just want you to know, if you're new to this talking to God thing, um, there's no special language you need to know, okay? Uh, and I hope that lifts a burden off some people's backs because they, they think like, well, I have to say things a certain way, you know, to make so that my prayer makes it there, you know, or that it's really heard by God or that to really see an answer or something. That's not the way it is, you know. Um, in fact, the scriptures even talk about that there are prayers we utter that are not even coming out of our lips, but out of our heart, right? And so it's not a matter of the words we say, per se, but just talking to God about what's on your heart. Sometimes we even pray the scriptures back to God because uh, there are some great examples of prayers in the scripture. Um, Paul has prayers that he prayed for believers, and I think they set out even a good example for us. But I just want you to know, today... What we want to do is talk about this effective and powerful prayer. And Elijah is a great example of this. And um, if you will, uh, why don't you, if you're able to, why don't you stand up for the reading of the Word of God? We, we do this sometimes here at Darby Creek uh, just as a, as a symbol uh, of our respect for the Word of God and that we, 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 we live our lives by it. We, in a sense, we put ourselves under it. So 
let's, let's read this together. Here we go, out loud. And Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat, drink, for there is a sound of the rushing rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. In a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Okay, that's the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. Now, just very quickly to put this in context, right before this in, in, in 1 Kings chapter 18, there was a major throwdown, right? God versus the, uh, the one true God uh, versus the false god Baal, right? And uh, let's just say this, uh, the Lord God trounced upon Baal. Baal didn't even show up. They thought he was on vacation or even Elijah said, maybe he's using the restroom. You remember that? Um, and so, so, but what started all this, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1 is, where God gives a word to the prophet Elijah, whom we're talking about today, he says, I'm going to let it start, I'm going to have it start raining again. Remember, God uh, had spoken a word of judgment to the people of God because they departed from him. They were worshiping false idols and gods. And so he caused it not to rain for three years. No dew or rain for, excuse me, three and a half years. And so, uh, you know, imagine trying to live and survive in this time. And uh, again, this was because they had departed from the one true God and started worshiping false gods of the land. And so uh, the word of the Lord comes to Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1. He says, listen, we're gonna make, I'm going to make it rain again. And then he has this, what we talked about last week, this kind of showdown between the prophets of Baal and Elijah, the one prophet of God, right? And then here we are. This is what happens after this, after this victory, if you will, uh, where Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal. And so uh, this is what happens is that he basically, you know, bows down, puts his hand, head between his knees, and I'm just imagining this is him praying. This is him praying because it tells us, and we'll read this in a, in a few minutes, in the book of James in the New Testament, that it said that Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain, and then he said he prayed it would rain, right? And so I think this is him just bowing himself down and praying, and he keeps sending this errand boy out each time, right? And he's saying, uh, is there a cloud out there yet? Is there a cloud out there yet? Is it starting? Are you seeing anything? And, you know, and then he comes back there and says that last time, that seventh time, and he says there's a cloud about the size of a man's fist. So I'm asking, you know, from his vantage point, you know, you know, have you ever put your hand up against the sky? You know, I could imagine there would be a cloud up there about the size of your fist at different times, right? And so, so then it, it again, it, it rains. The word of the, God, word of the Lord is fulfilled, right? And, but what I want to look at today, which this is, is an amazing thing, 
is, is just about this effective and powerful prayer life of Elijah. And uh, we'll be looking at these few verses here in 1 Kings 18, and also we'll be looking in James because it gives us a little bit of a commentary on Elijah's prayer life there also. All right, but the one thing that we can see just from this 1 Kings 18 passage we read out loud together is that uh, an effective and powerful prayer life is experienced by those who are humble and persistent in prayer. They're humble and persistent in prayer. Okay, so what do we mean by that? What do we mean by that? And where are we getting it from? Okay, well, in 1 Kings 18, verse 42, one of the verses we read aloud together It says, he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And I just think that is a a physical posture of humility, right? When you bow down, right? It could have said he laid down, but it doesn't say that. It said he bowed down, right? He bowed down, and he's he's recognizing who he's talking to, right? Uh, When we pray to God, uh, yes, it's, it's conversational, but just remembering who we're talking to. We're talking to the God of the universe, the one who made everything, right, from nothing, it tells us, and um, who's in control. And even though we, we look around, we, we say it doesn't look like it, but he is working through all circumstances, right? And so this, this humility there we see right there. It said he went to bow down and put his face between his knees. Um, I, I was reading this. I, w- I want to share this with you. It says, in prayer, we recognize God's power and plan for our lives. In prayer, we recognize God's power and plan for our lives. In humility, we yield our lives and our circumstances to the Lord and trust him to act in his time and in his way. It's like there's all different types of prayer, right? You can make a request, right? Kind of a, a prayer list type of thing where I'm, I'm seeking God. I, I, Lord, I, I want this to happen. Uh, I need your help here, right? These types of prayers. Um, and we don't know what's going to happen as a result of that, but we seek God. Um, he wants to hear our prayers, uh, all kinds of prayers. And so we, we lift them up. But... We want to do that in a, in a humble way, also just realizing that God knows what's best, right? And as what I just read there, that uh, we yield our lives and circumstances to the Lord and trust him to act in his time and in his way. You know, sometimes the answer to the prayer request is yes. Sometimes it's no, sometimes it's wait. There, you know, there, and there's various reasons because if you're a parent, you kind of realize this because your kids ask you for things and talk to you about things that they would desire all the time. Some of them you would love to grant, uh, you know, make it a yes. Some of you say, well, this is not the time for this, right? Uh, it might be a good request, but just not the time. And some of it's just a plain out no. That, you know, and, and isn't it amazing how sometimes as a parent too, this idea of fairness, I understand, but, you know, what's good for one child is not always good for another one. <laughs> That's just reality. We're made differently. Right. And um, and and so we we have to recognize that, you know, in in a in a rudimentary way, God's kind of like that. He's realizing that what you need is different than what he needs or she needs. And so this this attitude of humility in prayer is a recognition of that. It's kind of like, Lord, I'm going to ask you uh, for the things and, 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 and 
and cry out to you for the desires of my heart. But I'm also going to kind of do this with an open hand and say, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm yielding to you. I, I, I want what's best. But it's still, you just ask anyway, right? That's the thing I love about the, the book of James is talks about how, you know, sometimes you have not because you ask not, right? Well, maybe the reason why you, you're not seeing answer to prayer is because you're not praying. <laughs> you're not asking for that thing, right? And I think just get specific and ask, but then uh, can we say leave it on the altar? Leave it with God, and uh, he'll, he'll do what's best with that. But, but having this attitude of humility, I think, is key. Um, certainly God, we know God is opposed to the proud, right? So uh, if we come to him in our pride, um, then I, I think that, you know, that's not a good place to be. Um, so what about this persistent prayer we're talking about? This persistent prayer. Um, if we look in verses 43 and 44 of 1 Kings 18, it says, And he said to his servant, Go up now, look towards the sea. And he went up and he looked and said, There's nothing. And he did that seven times, right? Um, he did this seven times. And, and, but, but I want you to realize this. I'm not talking about just his persistence in this one thing. Um, if we look over our, our, uh, our reading in previous chapters in 1 Kings, we see a pattern in this man's life. He's praying for all kinds of things, right? He prayed it wouldn't rain here a few chapters ago. Now he's praying it would rain. He, he prayed down fire from heaven in the previous chapter, right, to consume the sacrifice, right, on that throwdown that they had with the prophets of Baal. You can read about that. And then remember when he prayed over that, that widow's son who was dead? And the, and the kid rose from the dead? He, he stretched out over that young boy, did that several times, and prayed to God? And so we could just see, this is his pattern. He is constantly talking to God. And he's constantly taking things to the Lord. And so uh, I just think it's a great model for us. Um, you know, and, and, and even if you take away, and I don't want to, uh, take Elijah off the table here, um, and you go to Luke chapter 18, our Lord Jesus was uh, told a story, a parable, right, which is the Bible calls a parable, a story uh, about with this point. I love it when the Bible tells us what the point of the parable is, because <laughs> then we don't have to speculate, right? This one here leads off with the purpose. It says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always to pray and not lose heart. In other words, keep praying. Uh, I'm not going to read the entire passage. I encourage you to read that, Luke 18. But, you know, it's, it's a story about this woman who uh, was be, being dealt with unjustly, and she went to the judge's door. Can you imagine that? Finding the Franklin County judge that you needed to talk to, hear your case and say, you're knocking on their door until they answer right? And you want your case to be heard. And she, in this story, this parable that Jesus tells, this woman would not let up. And he's saying that that's how we ought to be with God in terms of just persistently coming to the Lord with our request. You know, I've definitely heard of people praying for, you know, uh, for people or for this or that. 
for many years, ongoing prayer requests. And then there's a breakthrough, right? And, and so persistence. So, you know, the, I think the idea, too, is you need to realize that um, he's not in that parable saying that prayer is a means of coercing or arm-twisting God, because some people kind of look at it that way. If I, if I, if I badger God enough, he's, he's going to give me right request. No, that's, that's not the point of the parable, right? Um, uh, as basically, uh, here's it in a nutshell. As we rely on God's grace, not only for the outcome of our request, but for the process, right? I'm telling you, right, with the things that go on in our lives that burden us, we take them to God, we, we talk to God about it. Uh, over time, he does a work in us too. Uh, if we're honest, you know, that, that communication with God changes us too. Sometimes it even modifies the request that we're asking, right? And so uh, we could keep coming to the Lord in prayer, trusting his wisdom and care for us. Right, so this persistence of prayer is again—it's not arm twisting, but it's—it's it's recognizing that it's okay to keep coming back and asking. Uh, and I just love it that God's like that. Right, He's not saying, hey, "Get away, kid, you bother me." Right? No, He's like, "Bring it on. Talk to me. If it's that same thing you've been talking to me about, just keep talking to me about. It. That's fine." Right, and so that's the Lord that we have. Now, the other thing I was thinking about. Um, in addition to the reason why persistence in prayer is important, is we have at least one example in Scripture uh, in Daniel where Daniel was praying for 21 days, I think it was. I have to correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's 21 days. And the angel of the Lord appears to him at the end of that and basically is telling us, hey, uh, sorry I was delayed, but I had a battle with another demon. Uh, that's a that's a cliff notes of what happened. Okay, there was a spiritual battle going on in the realm that we can't see, and the, and and I know that sounds strange maybe to some people, but that realm exists. Angels, demons, that's a real thing. Okay, and so we know in that particular case, and if you want to look it up, it's in Daniel chapter ten, verses twelve to seventeen. That 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 situation where there was a spiritual battle going on. And I'm like, what would have happened if Daniel stopped at day 20? We don't know. Because he didn't, thank God. Okay? So, so just think about that. Right? Think about that, how the Lord wants us to keep praying, keep lifting, and, and, and whether you're praying for someone else, they have a need, uh, whatever, or for your own things. Uh, keep after, because there might just be a component of, of, of a spiritual battle going on, okay? So we've got humility, persistence in terms of qualities of an effective and powerful prayer life. Now let's transition to this few verses in the book of James, okay? A few verses in the ver- book of James that link back uh, to Elijah, all right? If you have not studied the Bible that much, um and you would like to start doing something about that, uh, get yourself a study Bible that has what they call cross-references in it. And a lot of times, the, like the passage like I'm going to, it would be linked in a cross-reference, right? Uh, I went online, and actually, 
there's a free cross-referencing tool out there online. It's uh, Treasury of Scripture Knowledge, okay? Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. Uh, just Google it. You'll find it. And you could put in any passage, like I could put in 1 Kings 18, verse 1, and then verse 2, and then verse 3. And you look and see, and one of those, I think it's 1 Kings 18, 1, where it links to James 5, 17. But someone has gone through the trouble to uh, say, hey, there's a relationship, or at least uh, it talks about Elijah over here in the New Testament. And so it helps you see what else the Bible says about something, right? It's just a good skill to have. And so uh, that's what we're going to do here. We're going to look at uh, James chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. I'll read it for you. It says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Um, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So there you have it. Okay, and so we're going to take a look at those few verses and see what else does it tell us about Elijah's effective and powerful prayer life. Because it's, it's calling him out, saying, it's, look, take a look and see what it has to say. And it's in the context of praying. So here's the first thing. An effective and powerful prayer life is related to keeping a clear conscience before God and others. Okay? Now, why are we saying that? Well, that first verse we dropped in on, uh, that first verse we dropped in on verse 16 talked about confession, didn't it? Confession, right? Uh, it says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is a great power as it is working. And so just this idea of, you know, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that uh, in the communion that, you know, we are forgiven of our sins once for all. And once you put your faith in Christ, that's true, okay? But there's... In this, think about it in, in terms of a relationship with a person. You know, my wife Linda's sitting here. If, if I did something that hurt her, so I sinned against her in some way, uh, maybe something I said or whatever, um, uh, we're, we're, it's not like we're going to uh, break up, you know, as a couple. We're going to, I'm going to, what I need to do is kind of confess that to her so that um, we can enjoy close fellowship again. So she, you know, she's not kicking me out of the family, per se, you know, but, but, but our relationship is affected. Does that make sense? And I think there's a similar analogy in our relationship with God, right? Is that uh, not only do we need to have a clear conscience with each other, and that is, uh, as the Lord think, brings things to mind, if we need to get some things right, we should pursue that, right? Romans, uh, the book of Romans tells us, as much as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. So it's something we need to pursue, uh, but also, uh, you know, with God, if we're if we're if, if what we're this, the thing that we're engaging in that's not God honoring uh, doesn't hurt somebody else, you know, it, 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 it usually it does, by the way. But but anyway, if we're thinking this is kind of my own private sin, uh, it's still sin, and so it's affecting our relationship with God, and does affect the effectiveness of our prayers. Okay. And, and by the way, God's a gracious God, okay? He even answers prayers for people that are actively sinning, okay? But I'm just saying, if we want to have an effective and powerful prayer life, 
the scriptures give us some examples of that our prayers can be hindered uh, if we're actively um, doing something that we know God doesn't want us to be doing. So let me give you some examples of this. Um, uh, 1 Peter 3, 7. Instructions to husbands, right? So if you're married, uh, guys, uh, you're married guy, listen up. This is, uh, this is some heavy-duty stuff. It says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the, to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you in the grace of life, so that your prayers might not be hindered. Uh, I'm not going to break all that down phrase by phrase. There's some hard things in there. Uh, I'm not afraid to talk about them, but that's not the focus of our time. Okay, I want to talk about this part that it says, uh, so that the, your prayers may not be hindered. He's saying, if you're married you're the, and you're the husband, it's your, it's your job, part of your job description that God gives you is to be a student of your wife. To be a very good student. And by the way, this is a lifelong uh, 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 course that you're on, men, they who are married. It's a lifelong course because people change over time. This is one of the things we talked about in our, our uh, couple study that we've been doing called Cherish is that, you know, Turn up the volume, Russ. <laughs> Sorry. If you didn't hear that, I just said, hmm, I'm having trouble hearing you. Sorry about that. Siri has always something to say, doesn't she? Linda calls her the other woman. I'm like, yeah, we need to change that. Right. All right. So um, anyway, where was I? Uh, yeah, husbands. Live with your wife in an understanding way. So being a lifelong student of your wife, and in other words, what she likes, what she doesn't like. Uh, how you act and what you say to make her feel cherished and loved. That's different for every woman, and it can change over time. We were, uh, in our study, we were uh, on, on uh, cherishing your spouse. We were learning that, um, hey, you know, when you get married, it changes you. And when you have kids or don't have kids, it changes you, right? And so there's, it's just, we're dynamic. I mean, yeah, some things stay the same, but a lot of things change. So, so husbands, uh, if you want to have an effective prayer life, are you living with your wife in an understanding way? And this is a, this is a big challenge for us, you know. Uh, I'm preaching to myself here, okay. And so, so this is something where the Scriptures clearly says that if I'm not taking this seriously, God's saying my prayers will be hindered, okay. No question about that, very clear. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished iniquity, which is sin, in my heart, the Lord will have, would not have listened. Again, there's, there's a linkage between, you know, some intentional, uh, you know, unrepentant sin in my life and it having an effect. In fact, what God wants to hear from us in our prayers is, Lord, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> right first. All right. So um, we, we see here just that an effective, powerful prayer life is related to keeping a clear conscience before God and others. So, if there's some confession that needs to be had, uh, you know, asking for forgiveness from others uh, and talking to the Lord about it and getting it right with him, then that's what you need to do, okay? Again, God's loving, he's gracious, uh, and, and just like sometimes as parents, you know, your kid doesn't deserve it, but you go ahead and do the thing for him anyway. I mean, I, I'm not saying that God won't ever answer a prayer from somebody who's actively sinning, but it's not going to be, they're not going to have an effective and powerful prayer line. All right, now, next thing is we see here, uh, an effective and powerful prayer life is available to any 
believer. And I love this because how does it describe Elijah in the James passage? How does it describe him? Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. <laughs> in other words, sinful. Okay? He, he was a regular dude. And so oftentimes we put him way up here on this pedestal and certainly he did some amazing things for God, but he was just a vessel. God was on the stage. It was God the one that was doing all this stuff, right? He was just a vessel. And so uh, I think what we need to see is that any believer, right, uh, has this ministry of prayer where we're invited to come into God's presence and take our request to him, right? And, and even go in on behalf of other people and pray for them. Uh, some people call that uh, intercession. You pray for someone else. You're interceding for them, right? And so uh, we, we need to see that this is, this is again, it's not, there's not a special class of Christian or something that's going to hear their prayers heard. No. Open to any believer this prayer life, right? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, let, uh, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Isn't this a wonderful verse? Uh, wonderful truth uh, is that because of what Christ has done, right, any believer, it says, can come with confidence into God's presence just through prayer. And in the context of this, he's saying there must be some need here. So they're crying out to help for a time in need. And God's welcoming that. And so, again, this, is, this Hebrews verse is in the context of any believer, any believer because of what Christ has done could come in boldly, you know, ask, ask big. All right, I'm going to question whether I should share this, but I'm going to share it. Yesterday, we were on a train ride with Franny and Dave. We were up at, we went to, uh, don't worry, it's about not about you guys, okay? Yeah, I would have asked permission if I tell one of those stories from our trip. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, and so we were up in the uh, Cuyahoga Valley National uh, Forest there, taking the train ride through there, right? So, um, now, y'all gone to the bathroom on a plane before? You know how small that is, right? The train, actually, this train actually had a bigger bathroom. I was kind of impressed. But I've never gone to the bathroom on a moving train. And so I got back for the bathroom that I told Linda, I said, I could check that off my bucket list. And she goes like, that was on the bucket list? She's like, and she was like, we got to start talking about what's on the bucket list. You know? And she, so she was like, we got to aim a little higher, right? Yeah, and so, and so I know that I'll probably get an email about that. But, but anyway, but the idea is that, you know, ask big. Why not? Right? Come, come in the throne room of God with confidence. Not confident that you've got it all together, but confident you're coming to a big God, right? Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, you're never going to, that's the only thing you're going to remember about that was Pastor Greg went to the bathroom on the train we, and he checked it off his bucket list, okay? All right, so last thing here, an effective and powerful prayer for life comes from praying fervently and expectantly, praying fervently and expectantly. This is coming right from the text, right? It says uh, in verse 17 of James 5, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, okay? And he prayed fervently that it might not rain and for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. He prayed fervently. That's amazing, isn't it? 
that he, this, this idea of, of fervency in prayer. And uh, I found a couple of examples in Scripture of like an idea of what a fervent prayer might be, okay? Uh, so take a look in, here in Romans chapter 15, verse 30. It says, uh, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on, beha- on my behalf. Isn't that, he says, let's strive together in prayer. Let's go for it. Let's pray fervently. Can we say that? All right. Let, and so he's like, let's, let's unite together on this thing, on the stuff that's going on. Okay? And then we see another, uh, in verse 31, it says, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to saints. Uh, and then he says, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. He's got a list, and it's specific. And he says, let's fervently lift that stuff up together. All right? Another example in the scriptures, Colossians 4, 12. This guy named Epaphras. Epaphras, it says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. And listen to what it says about Epaphras. Always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. There again, I think is an example of fervent prayer. You get the idea, this guy is calling out to God, and he's not just kind of reading it off a list. He is like trying to lay hold of the Lord and saying, God, please mature these believers there. Please do this. He's pleading. It's fervent prayer. Okay? All right. It's interesting, I, I, I found this quote from Bishop, a guy named Bishop Joseph Hall. It says, it's not the arithmetic of our prayers, meaning how many they be, nor the rhetoric of our prayers, how eloquent they be, nor their geometry, how long they could be, nor their music, how sweet their voice may be, nor their logic, how argumentative they be, nor yet their method, how orderly they be, nor even their divinity, how good their doctrine may be, which God cares for, but it is the fervency of spirit which availeth much. He's like, want it. Want it. That's fervency. That's fervency. Last thing. I'll just, I said that was the last thing, the last thing, wasn't I? I, I, I? I'm sorry. I confess. It wasn't the last thing. All right, but, but in this idea of the, uh, the fervency and the expectancy. The expectancy, we go back to 1 Kings 18. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of the mountain, and he bowed himself down to the earth on, his knee, uh, on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up there, right? He did that seven times, right? Uh, why did he keep sending that servant there seven times? He knew it was going to happen. It was a matter of when. How did he know it was going to happen? Because God told him to in 1 Kings 18, verse 1. He says, I'm going to send the rain. He didn't know exactly when, but he just kept praying. So he's like, keep sending the servant up because he's like, I know it's going to happen. I'm just expecting it's going to happen, right? And and that's what expectancy does. It kind of is on a God watch to see God doing it, right? Right? 
Psalm 5, verse 3 in the NIV says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and I wait expectantly. Like, Lord, I lift my day up to you. I lift the things that concern me up to you, and I just wait expectantly to see what you're going to do. That's the way Elijah was. He expected God to, to move and, 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 and work through his prayers. I mean, hey, God could have sent the rain without the prayer. But he chose to use the prayer. And we need to start thinking like that. You say, oh, somebody else will pray for it. Well, if God's bringing it to your mind, why don't you pray for it? Maybe he wants you to be praying, and maybe it's your prayer that's going to do it. Okay? I mean, we're just thinking. We're not thinking rightly about this. I think we need to see that is God chooses to do things through prayer. How it all works, we don't know. But we've got a plethora of examples in Scripture that he does. A direct link to prayer, answer prayer, right? God working. All right, that was the last thing, all right? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you. Thank you that we have a wonderful, wonderful uh, opportunity through prayer. As believers, once we put our faith in Christ, you bid us, you invite us, as it says there in Hebrews 4, to come in boldly into your presence and to let a request be made known to you and, and tell you the things that are on our heart. And God, I just pray that you'd help each of us just to, to, to think bigger in this area uh, because we serve a wonderfully powerful big God who is concerned about the minutest of details, the most minute details. He is concerned about this thing. Don't let anybody tell you God doesn't care uh, enough to pray about that thing. He's concerned about everything that's going on in your life. He cares. And so, Lord, we just... Help us to see this example of Elijah's um, prayer life, not as a burden to wear or to bear, but as, as, an, as an exciting inspiration to our lives to say, you know what? He was a person just like us, ups and downs, as we will see next week. Um, and yet uh, you used him in this area of prayer to accomplish your will. Lord, help us to, to, uh, to see prayer is not just something that we do on the side, but is really something that is primary. Uh, our communication with you, God, is primary in our walk, in our life with you. And Lord, help us, grow us in this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.